believe if I started murdering people, there'd be none of you left. Because my children are coming. Never say never to always. I'll never say always to none. Seem is to dream a dream. I love because why? Maybe I should have killed. Four, five hundred people when I was felt better. And when I felt like I really offered society something. You know, if I wanted to kill somebody, I'd take this book and beat you to the death with it. And I wouldn't feel a thing. It'd be just like walking to the drugstore. It'd be none of this thing. has been just a dream. Valley of death and I Hello. Hi. <laughs> well, welcome everybody to uh, Charlie Manson's Fanny Pack. I uh, hope that made you vomit a little bit. That was great. Um, yep. We're getting better every week at that. I know. <laughs> Isn't it fantastic? Yeah, yeah. So, before we get into our stuff, I have a question for you as I play with my Sudoku game. Um, my question for you is, and I believe I had asked you this question when we had first started dating. Um, and I want to know if it's changed. Because mine's kind of changed a little bit. Um, <laughs> so... My question for you, my goodster, is what, I'm bumping it up to <coughs> four things. What four oh things need to be left at your altar as a god? Um, let's see. Because it was, I've done, I did three. Um, weed, ramen. Okay. Coffee. Yeah. And, um... Hmm. See, it could be a lot of things for you. Like... It could be knowledge, it could be... I was going to say, like, a library card, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) See, I was on point, though, with knowledge. Yeah, I was sitting there thinking maybe a library card. I know you so well. (laughs) Well, what are your things? Um, uh, I asked this question and I didn't think it all the way through. So, mm-hmm. boy, some icebreaker this turned out to be. Well, now I have to think. <laughs> so <coughs> now I I gotta do the who's or what's it? The who's or what's it? Yes. Um, definitely, I have to agree with you with um. Weed, but I'm gonna take a another step forward and um, psilocybin and acid have to be left there too. Those those go hand in hand for yeah. me. Yeah, that's fair. That's that's fair. Um, hmm. 
definitely like like good pastries, I think. Mm-hmm. Like Bear like good claws. chocolates, good pastries, like decadence. That that's the idea. We're going for decadence. That could be taken many ways. Decadence. And hmm. Oh, you hear that impressive motorcycle? Oh, yeah. Mm. My dick is this big. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, our, the co-host of, the, of Stoner's Point drives a motorcycle, but, you know, I never hear it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like he, he drives a stealth cycle. <laughs> but my fourth thing would definitely have to be, like, video games. Okay. Because... Oh, see, video, that's too broad, though. Because, see, I could have just said books, but no... That's why I said library cards. Library cards. So what would have to be left to me is your winning scores. (laughs) Your high scores in games. Print out some screenshots of high scores. High scores and leave them as offerings to get higher scores and just keep scrolling. Well. Yeah. Well, uh, today we are beginning our uh, discussion series on occultism. I'm um, so stoked. Yeah, yeah. Now, of course, this is going to be broken up. We're going to do an episode of occultism, and then we're going to do the DeFeo family. Yeah. And then we're going to do another episode of occultism, and then we'll do eh, something else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. Um. I figured the best place to start is with an explanation of what occultism is. Uh, the occult in general. Um. A lot of people like use it like, oh, that's the occult, and this is the occult, and that is cursed. That so, is cursed. Yeah. So <laughs> I I don't know anything about this. I'm just fascinated with the subject. So I I don't know much. But Whereas me, I uh, it's a fairly recent. I thing began to abandon Christ, my Southern Baptist Christian upbringing at an early age, around eleven or twelve, and occultism, the occult, is immediately what I started looking for. Um, so I've been I've studied the occult. I studied it like intensely for about I don't know, ten years maybe. Yeah. And so. uh, and then since then I've kind of I, I figured I kind of reached where I wanted to go. I've I've seen what I needed to see from it. Yeah. And that you know, but it's it's a it's a super interesting topic. Um, it's really like a lot of their, a lot of a lot of what I got into with like uh, like dilemma and fucking stuff like that. That it's really like almost like. Remember, like, in Beetlejuice, where the re- handbook for the recently deceased yeah. read, like, radio instructions? Yes. Almost every one of Aleister Crowley's books read like that. <laughs> um, huh. Along with many other things, like the Enochian Keys and uh, the Order of Don't the Don't you have Cross. some of those books? Yeah, I got a few books. Um, I got a few. Yeah. I got some. Um, but, yeah, uh, so the occult in... The broadest sense of the term is a category of esoteric supernatural beliefs, and uh, esotericism and esoterics is basically kind of like loosely related ideas and movements that developed along within Western society that have like uh, bits and pieces of old paganism and mixings of like Judeo Christianity and Judaism. Okay. Um, but and yet, a, like, because with like Christianity and stuff. Like, they're like, no, we are. Well, 
we'll get we'll get to where Christianity falls into this. Um, it it definitely makes it changes things. Um, but yeah, beliefs and practices which generally fall outside the scope of religion and science, encompassing phenomena involving otherworldly agency, such as magic, mysticism, varied spells. Um, can also refer to supernatural ideas like uh, extrasensory perception, parapsychology, ghosts, demons. Um, the occult science term was first used in 16th century Europe to refer to astrology, alchemy, and natural magic, which are all today like, you know, yeah, it's pseudoscience. still under the, yeah, yeah, it's the umbrella still, yeah. Um, and it's, it's evolved since then. Um, it reached its, po- its high point in like the late 1800s mm-hmm. with uh, such figures as Helena Blavatsky. Who is that? HPB? I'm uh, like, I recognize that <laughs> name. Why do I recognize that name? Um, Madame Blavatsky. Oh, that's why. Oh. That, I kind of, but I need like a recap. Yeah, Madame Blavatsky, uh, she started her own kind of religious society called the Theosophical Society. Um and she like she basically gave the the Nazis their core belief system right that's she why gave them a, she Nazis. gave them this idea of like these superhuman beings she believed that somewhere off the coast of california was this mountain that was uh, occupied by lemurians what the heck yeah they're like uh, <laughs> they she like she took the name lemurians from gulliver's gulliver's travels no shit <laughs> yeah and uh, but she basically is like this ancient, um, advanced society similar to Atlantis that all lives inside this old like ancient mountain, like Mount Shasta in California. I think is where a lot of her modern day believers think that this place is. Hmm. Nobody's found it yet, and Mount Shasta's no one's pretty occupied. Sure. But it's also why in uh, GTA Five, there's a mountain in in GTA that's supposed to be like Mount Shasta. Where you can go and see, like, there's all kinds of weird shit. You can go to Mount Shasta at a certain time. You see UFOs. You and, and I like, like UFOs. That. Like, <laughs> I think they're fascinating. And, and that's why. Um, uh, also, uh, another, like, big name uh, that I recognized immediately that involved in, not with uh, her theosophy, but in this era of the dawn, the, the golden age of occultism, was Elphias Levi. Bless you. Elphias Levi is the man who gives us our, our the depiction of Baphomet. Oh. Um, yeah. I uh, can't, and we still can't find that portrait. That I, I know. Got you, and and I am really so upsetting. sad. I got rid of the stat. I left the statue behind on purpose, but I didn't want to leave behind the, the picture. And I don't know I where I got it you is. that for Christmas. I know. I'm so sad. But, um, so, like, yeah. So, Elphias Levi, Helena Blavatsky... Uh, and later, Israel Regardi and uh, Aleister Crowley. You know, these are all, like, huge names in this, in this movement, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if, and I guess to really understand, if you want to understand it, we've got to take it back to the two earliest um, things that were considered a cult. Um, and that gives us Kabbalah and Gnosticism. Okay. Okay? Now, Kabbalah... Is basically like uh, it, it's basically like the magic version of Judaism. But Jews are magical. <laughs> they're magical, <laughs> mystical human beings. They have latkes in their <coughs> and dreidels are cool as fuck. Yes, they are. Um, 
dreidel, actually, dreidel, like, dreidel. all the Jews I know are super <laughs> chill, super cool. I, I've only known a couple, and it wasn't a big part. None of them were like uh, you know, like hardcore. None of them were wearing you know yeah. uh, yarmulkes. You know what I'm saying? No, they were. So, I guess socially practicing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but Kabbalah is Hebrew for uh, tradition. Um, it's a discipline and school of thought in Jewish mysticism. Um, the definition kind of varies according to the edition of the aims of those following it. Uh, from its origin in medieval Judaism to later adaptions in Western Esotericism, Christian Kabbalah, and Hermetic Kabbalah. Hermetic Kabbalah is going to come into play when we start talking about. I was about to say I had no idea there were multiple. Oh yeah. There. Oh, <laughs> yeah. What have um, I gotten myself? Well, you've heard of the Golden Dawn, right? The yes. Hermetic Order, of the Golden Dawn. Yeah. Well, that was based heavily in Hermetic Kabbalah. And not just what? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Kabbalah is uh, it's a teachings that are meant to explain the relationship between an unchanging eternal God that they call Ein Sof, which is basically means Zin Heil? <laughs> which basically means the infinite. God, I might have to edit that out. Ugh. <laughs> In the mortal finite universe, which is God's creation, um, it forms a foundation of like interpretations within Judaism of how it went along. So they basically believe that there's this. This God that you can't even fathom the concept of, right? Yeah. Um, just the infinite, all that, all, all is, you know, am that is. And in order to create the world, he creates kind of like a puppet. He, uh, an avatar, if you will, a, uh, and that he, that is named uh, Elohim, which is okay. where they get Yahweh and the whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now this forming, this that. forming of the God, what they call the Godhead, the two together, becomes the... Tetragrammaton, which breaks down to a seventy-two letter word of God, word for God. God bless you. <laughs> Tetragrammaton. <laughs> it sounds like you're saying pterodactyl. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean. Ah! <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh God! I wish I had pterodactyl, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I almost spat out my coffee. <laughs> Uh, uh, if you don't know who Pterodactyl Mike is, uh, become a patron of Necronomapod. Yeah. And you will learn all about <laughs> fucking Pterodactyl Mike. And Bible Babble with Dave. It's great. Bible Babble with Dave is one of my favorite podcasts of all time. It really was. I kind of want to do my own version of Bible Babble with Dave. I mean... I've actually thought about reaching out to the boys and saying, hey, look, I plan on doing something similar. I don't want to step on your toes. Is it okay? <laughs> I will give you credit. Um, but yeah, so... They already have like a super complex, uh, layered idea of just what God and existence is. Okay. Um, and everything that in their religion is basically like formulas for trying to come closer to an understanding of their infinite God. Which is what people do, I guess, generally. Like that's what people are just doing. They're like, yeah, I just want to understand God better. But you got to do it my way. You got to remember that. You got to do it my way. Yeah. Now, um, they, they they believe that there's an inner meaning of the Hebrew Bible and traditional rabbinic literature, and that there's like inside this hidden meaning, you have to find the hidden meanings and the clear meanings. And are we in together. like high school with literature? Like, <laughs> there's more. You wanted to, to you wanted to talk about the occult? <laughs> yes, but is there more to just Johnny's wearing a blue shirt? 
Oh, Why? yes. Why is Johnny wearing that blue shirt? What does blue mean? And if you take each one of these letters of the sentence, Johnny's wearing a blue shirt, and apply those letters a numerical value, what is the mathematic significance of those numbers that come out of that equation? Yeah. That is the occult. <laughs> Got it. Um, Understood. <laughs> but I do like enjoy like taking apart stuff. It is fun. Um, traditional practitioners of Kabbalah believe that the earliest origins predate all world religions and are the primordial blueprint for all of creation philosophies, religion, science, arts, and political systems. Um, historically, they actually emerged from earlier forms of Jewish mysticism in 12th and 13th century Spain and southern France. Um, like the 12th, cent- is it 12th century? Yeah, that would okay. be the okay, 1100s. So... <laughs> Damn, what was going on in the 12th century? Um, Let's see. 12th century. I got a Google machine. 12th century. Boop. Some event. That's, yeah, that's cool. Um, let us see. Something cool. Um, hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. The Knights Templar um, founded and protected uh, Christian pilgrimage in Jerusalem in um, 1119. <laughs> <coughs> okay, so now you're seeing what... what time frame it came from. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, honestly, the Templar are going to come in heavily later on, maybe not in this yeah. episode, but definitely Ooh. when we get into... David the First is crowned King of the Scots in 1124. That's just, I'm just piping in with little fun, fun oh. little tidbits. Ooh. In 1132-1180, there was a 50-year drought in the American Southwest. Hell yeah. Well, wow. good thing nobody was living here. I know. <laughs> good thing. Yeah, uh, Columbus well, hadn't discovered it for the so first time ever exist. yet. Yeah, it didn't exist. It was just... Fake news. Yeah. <laughs> it was just India then. <laughs> um, gracious. So there's a few like uh, steps that they kind of go through. Um, overall, what they're trying to do, each practitioner is trying to achieve a mystical union with God or become kind of a, uh, a mediator in God's active intellect, which basically means like you're a brain cell in God's brain. So like, I guess comparatively looking at it, it's like with we, with us watching the crown right now, it's kind of like that where the queen is like the sovereign, like she has... She's holding up the church or whatever. Um, Is it something like that? Honestly, or am I paralleling it? Yeah, you're par- you're paralleling paralleling it a little bit off on that because okay. like um, it's not it, you you don't become an you're not an individual representative. You become part of the whole of God, right? We you are Borg, kind of. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, kind of. Okay, okay. <laughs> Hive mindset, got it. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you, you're overall, you become a brain cell, a mouthpiece for God. You become a Borg. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're extra processing power. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so early, according to the Kabbalistic belief, the early 
Kabbalistic knowledge, which transmitted orally by patriarchs, prophets, and sages, and was eventually kind of woven into Jewish religious writings and culture. Um, according to this view, early Kabbalah, around the 10th century B.C., which puts you around... Uh, a thousand years before the birth of Christ. So that had been 12,000 years ago. Uh, they say it was being practiced by over a million people in ancient Israel, um, which this we now know is nonsense. Uh, about 12,000 years ago, we were mostly a hunter-gatherer peoples, yeah. and there was an ice age going on. <laughs> yeah. So tweak that. Tweak that number. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there, there are... Uh, several different schools of thought with very different outlooks. Um, all of them, though, are accepted as correct, which is kind of unique. Um, authorities, authorities, kind of that in the in the Kabbalic Church have kind of narrowed the scope and diversity by restricting study to certain texts, notably the Zohar and the teachings of Isaac Luria. Um, okay, question: What makes them accepted text versus? Like the other ones, I don't well, know they what don't, the other they, They're are. not out, outlawing any text, but what they're doing is regimenting it. Um, this particular group of Kabbalist practitioners follow yeah. these books. I thought you said cobbler, cobbler. like cobblers, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> like little leprechauns. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. Uh, so and they, they they separate it out like that, so that each one can speci- can specialize and get further study by restricting the number of books that this particular frame of thought is studying. Okay. They're not they're not saying this book is okay and this book is not. It's like, no, these books pertain to this particular school of thought. Y'all need to study that. Okay. Do all the maths and shit with that. Um, and if you want to study it all, you have to, it's going to be a long road. Um, and so from the, from the Renaissance onwards, um, Jewish Kabbalah texts entered non-Jewish culture. Uh, this is when they began to get studied and translated by Christians and Hermetic occultists. Uh, the syncretic traditions of Christian Kabbalah and Hermetic Kabbalah developed independently of Jew- Judaic Kabbalah. Reading the Jewish texts as a universalist ancient wisdom preserved from Gnostic traditions of antiquity. Um, which gives us a jump-off point to start talking about what Gnosticism is. Okay. Okay. Um, we'll go into Gnosticism, then we're going to jump back into Kabbalah, all right? Okay. Now, so, tell me, what Gnost- is Gnosticism? Gnosticism, from the ancient Greek gnostis, meaning having knowledge, is a collection of religious ideas and systems which came together in the late first century AD among Jewish and early Christian sects. Um, they emphasized personal spiritual knowledge, or gnosis, above orthodox teachings, traditions, and authority of religious institutions. Um, Gnostic, uh, their deities generally presents a distinction between a supreme hidden god and a malevolent lesser divinity, uh, sometimes associated with Yahweh of the Old Testament. Okay. So they have this idea that there is a good god, a supreme god, and then that the, the god of the Old Testament is this malevolent lesser god. Who so. is responsible for creating the material universe? All right. So Gnosticism okay, believes that, that before, in the be- in, in kind of in the beginning, beginning with Gnosticism, there was there was basically chaos. 
right? Yes. There was no order. There was no creation. There was no form to anything. Everything that is and ever would be existed. Your mic. Oh, sorry. Yeah, everything that ever was or would be existed in kind of like this cosmic soup of everything. Cosmic soup? What's a <laughs> nothing, cosmic soup? Nothing, this is like, delicious? Even the Bible says, and the world was without form and void, and darkness walked upon the faces of the deep. Well, they, this is where they kind of get that from. They believe that the original God created this this without form, this voidless, formless, this void, formless world, the creation. And then that Yahweh came in and put order to the chaos. Yahweh was like, nah, man, we're going to go. Right, right. And now this is important for a later discussion we're going to have on Gnostic Satanism. Ooh, that's going to be fun. (laughs) And anti-cosmic religion, which basically sought to turn Yahweh's work on its head and put everything back into the soup. (laughs) I like soup. We're having chili tonight. I'm so excited. Yeah, it should be in there on low right now. Um, It's going to be so good. (laughs) Uh, consequently, Gnostics considered material existence to be flawed or evil and held that the principal element of salvation to be direct knowledge of this hidden divinity attained via mystical or esoteric insight. Uh, many Gnostic texts do not deal in concepts of sin or repentance, but with illusion and enlightenment. So they just nix this whole like sin kind of idea? Yeah, And they're fact, just like... You're working towards Funny being story. more enlightened. Jesus was one of the Essene. What does that mean? Um, they were a group of Jewish Gnostics. Mm-hmm. Jew, so Gnosticism, like Jesus was a Gnostic. He preached a Gnostic gospel. Okay. And later Christians and whatnot like altered it a bit. <laughs> There's actually quite a bit of Gnostic books of the Bible that didn't get put in. Yeah, I, I know some of the quote-unquote lost books of the Bible or whatever, and I know that just just because man is man, no. things will get lost in, fact, in translation. A, we we have at our at our fingertips, well, at, at a door away, a fairly de- a fairly knowledgeable expert in like Gnosticism and the Essenes, and maybe like in a, for we'll get David in here yeah. on a, another episode to talk about it because he actually knows quite a bit more about the Essenes and the Gnosticism of Jesus than I do. Oh, um, I had no idea. Like, yeah, if, if David if David would be religious, I think he is kind of a Gnostic Christian. Okay. <laughs> um, and actually, I, I have no qualms with it. Like I said, they, they're they not so much about control, but enlightenment and uh, doing away with illusions, seeing for things as for how they were. Um, so just looking at it from that perspective and putting it into, like, I guess our generation stuff, there would still be a lot of us who would identify probably as like Gnostic Christians yeah, if, in a way. If honestly Christianity had remained as Gnosticism, I, I, I have no I have no quarrels with it. Yeah, I I it, think so too. It's about seeking knowledge and truth. And not being like this is the only way. So if it didn't go, you know, left and kind of stayed on this kind of knowledgey path. Yeah. It yeah. would have Well if it had stayed left, not gone on this <laughs> Well, I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um yeah, Gnosticism is kind of the the left wing of Christianity well, and, and religion, I'm in at general, it, that, that is the... religion in general. That is <coughs> um, the path it was on, and then we're just like, where has he? Gnostic writings flourished among early Christian groups in the Mediterranean world around the second century, uh, when fathers of the early church denounced them as heresy. Uh, they went around trying to destroy them. Um, 
very little of Gnostic Gospels have been left behind. Um, but there has been some. For instance, uh, there are, this, it was uh, like the Gospel of Thomas, the Apocrypha of John, uh, the Book of uh, Judas. There's a lot of like Gnostic Gospels that got kind of mostly destroyed. Yeah, that um, people don't look at as... Yeah, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls as, yeah. is one of these Gnostic texts. Okay. Um, early Gnostic teachers saw themselves kind of aligned with Christianity at the time. Um, in Gnostic Christian tradition, Christ is seen as a divine being which is taking human form in order to lead humanity back to recognition of its own divine nature. But it's not, there's no single standardized system of beliefs within Gnosticism. Um, and the emphasis on direct experience allows for a wide variety of teachings, including currents far as far out as Sethianism, which like the, so I say e what? the Egyptian god Set. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, in Persian Empire, Gnostic ideas spread as far as China. Uh, with, that uh, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And one of the only two surviving Gnostic religions from antiquity can be found in Iraq. What are, does it have the, the names? Or um, Mondaism. M-A-N-D-A-E-I-S-M. Mondaism. <laughs> it sounded like a spelling <laughs> It does. <laughs> uh, um, okay. And the early Mondaeans may have been the first to formulate what would go on become known as Gnosticism within the early Jesus movement. Um, most of it, the only knowledge we had was the anti-heretical writings of Orthodox Christian figures. Um, then there was a renewed interest in Gnosticism after... The 1945 discovery of Egypt's Nakhchemedi Library, which is a collection of rare early Christian and Gnostic texts, which include the Gospel of Thomas and the Apocryphas of John. Um, there is several sources that go back to Zoroastrianism, uh, Hellenistic Judaism, and Platoism, a Pla Platonism, basically like a religion based on, on the works Plato. of Plato. Yeah. yeah. Um, since the 1990s. The category of Gnosticism has become increasingly scrutinized by scholars. Um, one such issue is whether Gnosticism ought to be considered one form of early Christianity or an interreligious phenomenon or an independent religion. So, It's just they look at it as pish-posh? Yeah, the pro-Orthodox Christian groups called uh, consider Gnosticism a heresy of Christianity. But modern scholars believe that the theology's origin is more closely related to Jewish uh, sects and Christian sects of, like, Kabbalah and what have you. Um, some debate that Gnosticism origins have roots in uh, Buddhism. And that's, that's a cool story one day. Uh, there yeah, was, I'm about to say that. So Jesus, there's a, there's a missing part of Jesus' life in the Bible. Okay. At 12, he is seen in the temple, like, discussing and debating religion with the elders. Yeah. And then he disappears and reappears at 33 with his, when he gets baptized by John. Yeah. John, who was an Essene. <laughs> um, so he, uh, yeah, he, in those, in those like 20-something years, where was where, he? Yeah. And one of the theories, some of the theories that he went to Egypt, some theories say, and one my favorite theory is that he went and saw a, uh, someone who was teaching Buddhism. You know, I mean, it, he was right after uh, Siddhartha Gautama founded Buddhism. And it would have been after Gautama's death or whatnot, but Buddhism was still in its early and purest days. 
Yeah. Um, so Sidebar, he... Sidebar, that's a great book. <laughs> what, Siddhartha? Yeah. By, uh... uh, uh I can't remember who it's by. Herman Hess. Yeah. Yeah, it was actually a really good it book. Is. And it was based loosely on Siddhartha Gautama. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I had to analyze it in, like, 10th grade. <laughs> <laughs> um, many of the Nag Hammadi texts and any other, really, Gnostic texts that we have found have a violent rejection of the Jewish God. Right, and I'm with them there because the Jewish God in the Bible, you got to think the temp, the plagues of Egypt, the the fucking flood. Yeah, I mean it was a very Job. The Jewish God is a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> the Jewish God is very Yahweh. Like... Yahweh sucks fucking donkey cocks. Uh, <laughs> if you're going to choose a God, there's more evil God. There, there's not many more evil gods you could choose. Yeah, <laughs> you know uh, he, he is. And, Horrible. <laughs> like, and that, that always was a, a question for me just growing up, being like, well, you want me to believe about this God in the New Testament? Mm. Okay, but what about this God in the Old Testament? Are they not the <laughs> they, same? They can't be, right? They can't. Are, they, are they the same? What's happening? Yeah, and uh, Kabbalah and, and Gnosticism came about, like, if you because you can see in Kabbalah that ultimate God that you can't understand working through Yahweh as like a puppet, right? And that's where Gnosticism kind of takes its cues. Like, there is a, a greater primordial God, but then there's this piece of shit. <laughs> there's this one asshole <laughs> yeah. that was just like, I am indeed the boss. No, sir. You can step off. Or whatever being step off. There's, it's fine. They can handle this. Um... And, and with early Christianity, uh, some of the teachings of Paul and John were might have been a starting point for Gnostic ideas with a growing emphasis on opposition between flesh and spirit, the value of charisma, and the disqualification of Jewish law because <laughs> it come from a fucking tyrant. Like, that, just stuff like that. Like, I, I struggled very hardly, hardly? I struggled very, I can't word. I have, I have <laughs> word soup. Um, at this time, uh, there is a place in Egypt called Alexandria, and there is a library in Alexandria that contained, and we lost it thanks to war with Rome, but it contained like every, every text that Egypt and Rome and Greece had gone across the world and gotten their hands on. Yeah. This is an ultimate collection of every, relig every religion, every mythology, more than likely instructions on how they built the goddamn pyramids. I mean, all of, like, our early history was lost in the fire of the Library of Alexandria. And that was just right? devastating. Well, now, Alexandria was also was a place that uh, a lot of these, like, religious minds would come and study. You had religious minds coming from uh, all the different ca uh, Kabbalistic traditions. You had, you know, Gnosticism, they think, may have actually been born in Alexandria. Oh. Um, it the the Christian idea of like a, of the church and whatnot. It was of Jewish and Christian origin, but Alexandria, like because there was a Christian movement there, it attracted Greek members. Various strands of thought were available, such as Judaic apocalypticism, speculation on divine wis wisdom, Greek philosophy, Kabbalah. I mean, so much came out of Alexandria. And um, the, I guess the willingness to listen and debate and talk came out of Alexandria with stuff like that. People sharing all of that knowledge. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, Gnostics tend to lean towards kind of like uh, asceticism, like kind of monkish, right? Yeah. Kind of isolation and whatnot. Uh, they were less uh, rigorously like concerned with morality so much. Took a more moderate approach to correct behavior. Um, Gnosticism believed, whereas like Christianity, there's there you do this because of this. Whereas Gnosticism, it was kind of a mode. It was what is your motivation, right? Yeah. You know, it 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 come down to matters of the heart. Uh, ritualistic behavior was not important unless it was based on a personal internal motivation, and that's going something that's going to come up again and again. Especially with me, it's it's kind of why I view ritualism the way I do. What? How, I'll how say that again. Like? Ritualistic behavior is not important unless based on a personal internal motivation. So here's my question: How do you view it then? It serves no purpose except for your own. If even if there are gods and whatnot, they really can't care about all these like making sure you go through all the right steps and reading all the right things, and. You know, I and you're gonna we're, we're gonna come back into this at the end, but in order to get through this to to that idea of things, yeah, I looked through, for instance, Aleister Crowley, all these people who made a fucking mathematic equation of it, and they all keep coming back to the same same questions. At the end of the day, none of the questions are answered by all of these steps, and so then it seems that the actual the ritual itself seems to serve no purpose except for that of the practitioner kind of like a cathartic sense, right? Now, I okay. have like, you know, like most, my, my altar, quote unquote, is more totems. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Things that hold a significance to me. Yeah. Yours, right? Your altar is definitely is the totems and mine is the physical. <laughs> yeah. I, I, to me, it, it's about the anything. It has a significance to me because any spirits out there haven't made themselves, haven't given me any direct instructions and I'll be damned. The what? Yeah, there's dog food in the whatchamacallit. Hold on, guys. Just entertain me. Well, I have to apparently entertain y'all because we're going on a an adventure. So, we're just going to talk about how um, Friday at work, um, I was not prepared for uh, the power to go out. And it was great. It was fantastic. It was like... 30 minutes before the ship ended. And thank God I had actually, you know, cleaned my grill semi. But, but, just chilling, talking with my coworkers, and then lights start to flicker. I'm like, oh no, not this bullshit again. Oh, and here comes my husband. Back. Better than ever. Yeah. Like a microwavable pancake. Yeah, he, he didn't know where the box of dog food was. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. All right, so, um, and also in Gnosticism, you start to see a, there, there's a concept of a male and a female, like, deity, right? Um, yeah. Where I have, I have a mix of deities. The, the, you have, like, the aeons, uh, A-E-O-N-S, which are kind of like uh, various different um, aspects of the superior God, right? Um, and that one is, he, is, instead of so much being male, the earliest ones have you know, was kind of hermaphroditic. Yeah, because they right? carried both um, aspects. Yeah, yeah, and 
like they used different aspects for it, and and the their female aspect was named uh, Sophia, which basically which is Greek for wisdom. Um, refers to when when there's always this talk of uh, Christ and the bride. Sophia is the is this bride. Okay. Um. So yeah, and and usually in anything dealing with like uh, life and. Like the, the soul, usually in Gnosticism, goes back to the Sophia. Um, in the myths of, in their myth, most, and if not all, most of the versions of the Gnostic myth, Sophia births the Demiurge, who in turn brings about the creation of materiality. So she's like Yahweh's mother. Okay. Right. And, I, and you gotta think she's not so much of a physical being as like a concept, right? Yes. Um, so yeah, um, basically, that that is there. There's a lot to get into Gnosticism, um, but that basically it it, it, it we're going to get more into expert. yeah. It, it it gives us where we're going. Yeah. Um, this is the this is start. <laughs> right, and you're seeing how complicated it is already. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I'm already semi confused, but I can kind of keep myself on track. Um. And so, yeah, the con- basically you have you have Kabbalah, which gives birth to different schools of thought, Gnosticism, and then they kind of remingle back together and create what is called like Hermetic Kabbalah. Um, is the base? I feel like I'm playing Skyrim listening to you. <laughs> Why? Because <coughs> I feel like I'm picking my character, and. I'm at a point where it's like, oh, you can study a different school of knowledge. You can be a werewolf. You can be a vampire. You can be all these different <laughs> things. What the heck is happening in my world? And oh, by the way, you can do this too on this little side quest. What's happening? You, you know who a famous uh, practitioner of Kabbalah is? No. Madonna. Oh, well, that would track, though, because of how <laughs> she is as a person. That really would track. That does not surprise me in the least. Like, yeah. Yeah, actually, she, yeah. Like, she's a, a beautiful human being. She's created some amazing stuff, and just how how she lives her life and how she carries herself, that really does not surprise me. Like, it can be a little left field sometimes, <laughs> but she carries herself in a very strong and she knows what she's thinking kind of way. At least that's how I see it. Okay. Um, so, we'll get to another interesting belief of Kabbalah. Cobblers? Now, yeah, we're going back to Kabbalah. Um, what kind of cobbler? Is it apple? Kabbalah thought... Is it peach? Uh, I had Is this notion that God enacted creation through the Hebrew language. Right? Okay. Uh, basically, when God said, let there be light, it was yeah, the we, Hebrew language yeah. that did that, right? Um, and throughout the Torah into this full linguistic mysticism thing, every, in this, every Hebrew letter, word, or number, even accents on words of the Hebrew Bible, contain Jewish mystical meanings, describing the spiritual dimensions within, uh, within their ideas, and teaches methods of interpretation for ascertaining these meanings. Names of God in Judaism have further providence, though infinite meaning turns the whole Torah into a divine name. So I so reading the Torah start to finish is a divine name? The, the whole thing. And then it is broken down into like uh, 
fractals, smaller yeah. names. <laughs> like they. So names with a name, nameception, if you will. Kind of, yeah. Um, if you've ever seen the movie, uh, have you ever seen the movie Pi? It's an early Darren Aronofsky movie, it's black and white. No. About this guy into numerology. Yeah, it and, and it goes into like fractals and the, and the Fibonacci sequence, and. Wow. Yeah, oh That's boy. That's already um, and, terrifying. <laughs> and the Fibonacci sequence, it goes yeah. back, it, it traces back to this uh, thing of thought. Do you remember hearing about the Bible code? I know of. So yes. the Bible code comes from this, where they take uh, where they take the Bible and they bring everything back to Hebrew and they remove all the spaces and everything becomes a number. And then they start looking at it diagonally in different directions. <laughs> and get like different words and meanings. Uh, supposedly, uh, you they they predicted uh, Hitler. They predicted nine uh, eleven. They I mean <laughs> more and with slightly more accuracy than Nostradamus. Huh. But the thing is, you don't know what these things are until after they've happened, right? So you can't really predict it. <laughs> there, but can you read it? Yeah. You know what I'm, yeah. World Trade Center airplanes means nothing. Until it's happened, and then you're like, oh, <laughs> that's what they meant. Right? So, it's, uh, all of these names, uh, like, the Hebrew name of thing of, of this is, like, uh, a channel of life force, parallel to what's called the Sephiroth. Sephiroth? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh, this is Sephiroth. Let me see what they have up here. Long, silver hair? Uh, no, um, that is the Sephiroth. I, that is also the, that is one, two, three. Ten. Yeah, that's ten. Uh, that is a, a card layout for tarot. Well, actually eleven, but yeah, um, but that one doesn't actually count. That's if you want to see. That's yeah, the that one. Yeah, the, that, that's that's the ultimate god, <laughs> right? Yeah, that that layout is. All right. So I what have, I've, I've done that. What, what you're looking at is basically you've seen. They're like a lot of people call it like the tree of knowledge and shit like that. But it's it's like uh, eleven what globes. Siad, he's groaning. He's, he's, he's getting ready for dinner. Um, he's dinner ready. He wants to see his friends. Well. He can't see his friends. Wanting good for you. Uh, oh boy, what happened to my screen here? Wait, what did you do? I don't know. Oh, there we go. Everything's back. All right. It had a buffer. Yeah. Um. So the Sephiroth basically. <laughs> I can't unsee it. It's hard. Well, there's a reason. Uh, Alistair Crowley is the reason there is a tarot layout. Based on Sephiroth. Um, <laughs> it's basically a manifestation of the tree of life and knowledge. They're anthropocentric correspondence in man. Like where all the different, all these different globes, you have like thought, memory, heart. It kind, of, kind of like yeah. the chakras. Yes. But on a much broader scale that connects you to the divine. Yes. Um, and I guess that's the basic way to do it. I'd have to the get best mine. way to explain it, and each of these sections are broken down into subsections. Um, it's like I'd have to get my my book to actually tell you what the the spreads 
mean? I don't remember. Yeah, the uh, they also represent uh, the different aspects of the divine entity. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. Uh, and why did I get into the Seth Rock? <sighs> I don't know. I'm I'm just along for the ride and asking <laughs> questions. Oh, boy. Because I don't know. So, I mean, they, the, the long and short of it is that they they took, Judaism is already a complex religion, and they made it harder. Like, <laughs> so. They made it cool, but they made it harder. Yeah, remember, this is before Atari yeah. and Nintendo. All they had to do was think about shit. And every, and every single thing in the Hebrew language can be, every single character in its written language can be something else. And it gives them layer upon layer upon layer of, of, of like, meanings. And the thing is, it, if they had started doing this and not been finding what they were looking for, you know, it does, yeah. there is some credence to it. Like, I, when, when you break it down into those basic things, it's like, yeah, maybe some of it's seeing what you want to see. But not all yeah. of it. There's too much mathematical reasoning to it. Yeah. Um, it's too coincidental. Yeah, it's it's more than coincidental. It's like whoever wrote the Torah, specifically, wrote this in. Okay. And and wrote it in in these all these layers that are woven together in this like deep, complicated uh, manner. Um, so now we have a base from which further occultism will will take off. Is they didn't find the answers they were looking for, like, <laughs> and uh, that's nope. what we're going to pick up next week. Um, we will be talking next week about uh, the Rosicrucians, uh, the Templars. No, we're doing the Defeo. Oh well, the next time we do a cult, we'll talk about uh, the. Yeah. We're going to talk like about you lied. Yeah, You're lying at, the week them. after next, something like that. Who's it? What? When we pick back up with the occult series, we're going to be talking about uh, the Knights Templar. Maybe some of the early days of the founding of Christianity. Um, and we're going to also be talking about how the Rosicrucians, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, and then we will finally begin to touch on the most wicked man in the world, Aleister Crowley. Oh. Mr. Crowley! Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed, and I hope you tune back in next week for our discussion of the Amityville Horror. Uh, we will mainly be discussing the DeFeo murders, but you cannot discuss the DeFeo murders without talking about the Lutz incidents. Yeah, there's uh, a little too much in common. So, um, yeah. yeah. Well, next time, guys. I've uh, been Richard. I'm Jessica. And this has been... Charlie Manson's Fanny Pack.